very happy new year to you. Um, it's the first Sunday of the new year, in fact, the first Sunday of the next decade. So we finished 10 years, we come threshold of a new decade. So I'm sure Pastor would enlighten us more on some of the things he has in his heart for this next 10 years. And uh, <coughs> I pray that uh, he'll prepare us to uh, be part of that. And uh, so I'm going to pray, and uh, I thought we should pray for our nation this morning, uh, particularly for the fires that are burning, the lives that are being lost, uh, firemen, the firewomen who are doing outstanding work. But uh, we just need to pray for strength in their arms and that we have an input with wisdom. So let me uh, pray for that, and then we'll get into our sermon this morning. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we want to come into your presence this morning with, uh, Lord, hearts that are filled with some tinge of sadness as we see, Lord, the fires ravage our nation. Lord, we don't know the cause, we don't know the reasons, but uh, the, the scenes that we see Lord, I pray for the families that have lost loved ones. And Lord, who are at this moment struggling to find answers to life. Lord, I pray that you bring alongside them some wise counselors, people who can share, Lord, your love with them. Lord, I pray for those who have lost properties, some lost their houses that they've lived in for many years. And Lord, this could be a traumatic moment for most of these people. Lord, I pray for those who are have been rendered homeless as so many homes have been burnt up. And this morning, Lord, we pray for those who are trying to contain these fires, the the fireys who, who give so selflessly of themselves and some of them have even lost their lives in so doing. Help us as a church to remember these matters before your throne of grace on a regular basis. For Lord, you can from heaven move and stop these fires. And this morning, Lord, we want to also repent as a nation. Lord, for the things that we have done, maybe perhaps done, which are not pleasing in your sight. And Lord, would you have mercy? Would you, Lord, open the doors of heaven and send us some aid? Lord, we need it. So Lord, I just uh, pray that your power will be seen over the next few weeks, and Lord, that we would acknowledge you as the truly one and only wise God. So we pray for your love, we pray for your comfort, in Jesus' precious name, amen. <clears throat> I thank Pastor for giving me this opportunity to stand in this pulpit this morning and um, share what God's put on my heart. So if you would turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and uh, it's uh, a passage that um, you're very familiar with, and I just want to uh, bring out a few thoughts from it which will hopefully give us some strength for the new year going coming forward and also something that you can remember, in fact, for the rest of your life because it, this is just not a message for today. It's a message for every day. And um, if you only realize what it is and how we apply it, it can be of immense benefit to us. Mind you, every Sunday we hear God's word. It's the same, same for every Sunday. What you hear is from God, and we 
need to apply it. So let me read from uh, verses 5 through to verse 7. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of power may be of God and not of us. Jesus, uh, when he was preaching to the, his, mainly his disciples, he said this. Matthew 6, 21, he said this, that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So treasure has a magnetic way of pulling your heart. So if you set your mind on something, your whole heart goes after that thing. And so it's important that we consider what things become our treasure. Because if the wrong things are pulling our heart, our hearts can become very, can become destroyed or will be destroyed. But if we seek the right treasure, it can bring great blessing to your heart. So one question we, we could ask ourselves is where, what treasures are we following today? What treasures have we followed in the last 10 years? And I let that question hang there for you to think about and answer. The Bible also says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And so if left to its own devices, its natural bent would be to go and seek these evil things, these deceitful things. And I don't need to tell you how deceitful our hearts can be. When confronted with something that we may have done, for example, in our place of work, we know we've done it, but we will try to find a deceptive way of presenting those facts so that the blame doesn't fall on me. I've done it several times. Perhaps you've done it a few times, so you're more holier than me. But this is something that the heart would do, desperately wicked. So if you don't watch, and uh, King Solomon went on to say, you know, out of the heart are the issues of life. So if you don't guard your heart, and if the heart's not led correctly, then the issues of life, how you face the issues of life, will all be tainted. And uh, you'll have one drama after another that will confront you. And today, in this passage, we're going to see how we, how, what God has done to help us with this whole matter of treasure and what treasure that he gives. And so if, if um, you follow the wrong treasure, your heart can become selfish, can become sensual, it can become covetous, it can become arrogant, full of pride, and uh, be in a place where you're certainly what God doesn't expect you to be. But if your heart is, on the other hand, a heart that is humble, a heart that is trusting in God, a heart that is inclined to God's testimonies and his commandments, a heart that believes unto righteousness, then you're in a good place because you're longing after something that God majors in. Things like righteousness, things like holiness, things like humility. These are things that God considers highly valuable and important. And so the question this morning is for us to examine what treasure are we following? And in this passage, the Apostle Paul, the context of this passage is for those who preach the word of God and that 
fear of God should not be peddled. You preach with all honesty and sincerity. And the Apostle Paul said, this, is, this message is actually not my message. That's what he's saying. But it is something God given. And so let's read that and I'm going to just uh, very quickly run through these points and, uh, and then we'll be done, hopefully, fairly soon. So he says here that we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. So his priority is to preach the Lord Jesus Christ and preach him as not only Savior, but as Lord. For God who commanded, verse 6, the light to shine of the, out of darkness had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So God loved us so much. What he did was he, he commanded, according to this verse, he commanded the light to shine out of darkness. And you know, before we came to Christ, all of us were dead in trespasses and sins. Our hearts were darkened. We couldn't see the light of day. We didn't know what the right path was. And so God saw this helpless state of man and he said, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to issue a commandment. And he said, I'm going to issue that the light will shine out of darkness. And when light comes, you know that it reveals a whole lot of things. And if you are living in darkness and uh, you, you, you like to hide stuff in darkness so that people can't see, because the moment you shine a light, everything is exposed. So one of the things that light does is it exposes the sin of man. And secondly, it tells us about the holiness of God. So in the Bible, whenever light is mentioned, the Jews were big on light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. They were big on this. The holiness of God was big. And you know all the Old Testament um, commandments set out how they were to worship God was all about purity. You read the book of Leviticus, it's all about being holy. It's holiness. And so they were big on that. And God says, I'm going to show you two extremes. I'm going to shine my light in and show how evil you are, how deceitful your heart is. At the same time, I'm going to show you how good I am. And so when the light shines, that it reveals our sin and the holiness of God. Jesus himself preaching when he came into this world, he said, I am the light of the world. And he who has this light will have the light of life. So this light is life-giving. In John chapter 1 and verse 4, his, it says, his life is the light of men. And so Jesus uh, God commanded the light to shine out of darkness into our hearts. Why? Because the second part of that verse says that to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. You know, before we got saved, did we know much about God? Did we know what he had done for us or what his purpose was for us? We didn't. But when this light shines, God also gives us the capacity, the knowledge to understand God. Suddenly things that were a little bit vague start to take focus as to who God is. And of course, he's given us this wonderful book called the Bible and the scriptures, which will enlighten and tell us who God is. And so... Knowledge is the second important thing that God wants us to have. That your minds be enlightened, as he says in Ephesians, to know what God has for us. How much do we know God? How much do we know of his love, of his mercy, of his goodness? of his grace, of his patience, 
of his kindness, of his purpose, the future that he has planned for us, and the fact that he wants to be present in us all the time. He's a God who is not distant, but a God who wants to have an intimate relationship with his people. He said to the Israelites, I brought you out of Egypt to make you my peculiar treasure. Peculiar means a very special treasure. Something that I cherish. Something I can put up on my shelf every morning and say, oh, what a beautiful life because God's shining up through that life. The light shines. And the knowledge of Jesus is given to us. And then he goes on to say that there is the glory of God that is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. What a gift God has given us. Light, knowledge, and Jesus Christ. What a glorious gospel that is given. That, uh, and the previous verse, verse 4, um, uh, verse 4 says this about this glorious gift that God wants to give. Is somebody trying to block this gift from arriving? Verse 4 says, in whom the God of this world. Who is the God of this world? Anyone can answer that? Satan. Does he want you to get the gift? So he is preventing, he's blinding, he's blinding, he's blinding, he's, he's putting all kinds of red herrings before you. Hey, go after that treasure, that's much better, it, it'll fulfill everything you've wanted. Oh, go after this, go after wealth, build mansions, and you'll be happy. He wants to blind your mind from the real precious gift that God has commanded that you get. The glorious light that takes away the darkness. I've been reading a book over the holidays about a young Hindu man. It's a biography of him, of how he searched for God. He wanted, when his younger sister passed away unexpectedly, she was probably six years old, he, he was heartbroken and he, he wanted to know where who God was who would allow this to happen. And he went to every possible Hindu deity that he could go to in India. And he said everywhere he went, he saw these gods made of brass, some of gold, cobras and uh, cows and half animals, half man kind of images. All they were there was no happiness on those faces of those idols. There was a frowning. There was an anger. And he said he felt terrified in the presence of those idols. He went to get comfort, but he felt he felt terrified, terrorized. And he ran away one after the other, one after the other. He ran away, not knowing what to do. And he said one of the things that he really the darkness of these places. As he walked in, it just seemed to engulf him. He went to get light, but the darkness seemed to engulf him even more. There's a wonderful story that uh, he decided to then end his life in the river Ganges. And if, uh, if you've been to India and uh, you know the river Ganges, it, it does flow pretty quickly. And people throw all kinds of things into this river. Like if your two-year-old child died, parents would plunge this child into the river thinking that this holy river would somehow change the status of this child. People who died of uh, infectious diseases would come and throw their the bodies into this river. And he's standing there right in the middle and wanting to let go. And then 
suddenly he feels a rope that was thrown right in front of him and he grabs the rope and someone pulls him ashore. And long story short, he, he continued to seek and saying maybe this God has spared me to go and look for somebody else. And the gospel eventually came to him through an untouchable. And you know, in India they have got the caste system. And this untouchable had been gloriously saved. And as this man was walking home, back to his home, not knowing what to do and completely lost life, he meets this man and who shares the gospel with him and says, the darkness that you have can be got rid of because Jesus Christ is the light. And he became a Christian because of that. And as he said, as soon as he accepted Christ, the darkness just went. And he just was able to just praise God and his hunger for the scriptures increased and he started to memorize scriptures and darkness that God got rid of by sending Jesus. The light that shines in our hearts, the knowledge that he gives and the face of Jesus that he presents to us. Why did Jesus come to this earth? So that the disciples could say, we beheld this glory, full of grace and truth. It wasn't a something passed down, but they saw it. And they were able to write about it. They said, that which we have handled, that which we have seen, that we have touched, we are presenting to you. It's not something intangible. He is God. He came down and he lived with us. We saw his face. So in the face of Jesus, there is this wonderful clarity of why he came. The purpose he came for. That he died for our sins. To make us one of his own children. What a treasure that God gives us. The treasure of the gospel treasure of Jesus Christ. With that treasure comes also the Spirit of God. That when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says John 14 and verse 17, the Spirit will dwell with you and shall be in you. The Spirit of God will take, will, will, will continue the enlightenment process in your heart. He'll take what Jesus said and he'll bring it bring clarity to those things. Ephesians 2, 6 says this, that he has made us to sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Suddenly your heart becomes a heavenly place where God resides. You are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly this heart that was deceitful and which was prone to go the wrong way has been gifted an incredible gift. And it becomes literally the dwelling place of God. What a gift that God has given us. What a treasure that he has put within our hearts. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So not only the spirit, it's the word of God. The apostle Paul said, let it dwell in you richly. That means let it Little soak into your life. It's just not reading a line, but just absorbing all what God is and what He said in His Word. The Spirit, Jesus, the Word of God, all inside this horrible heart. But God wants you to have that treasure. Now let me tell you some things about this treasure. You know, earthly treasure diminishes. So if you have a million dollars today, you'll have a lot of friends. Like the prodigal son found out. So they'll be around you as long as the money lasts. But as soon as the money runs out, what happens to your friends? Do they pull out their pocket, uh, purse from the back pocket and say, brother, you looked after us for 20 years, here's a thousand bucks? No chance. They 
gone, looking for the next man with the next million bucks. Because they can fleece him for that money. Earthly treasure will diminish and run out. You can look for uh, all kinds of positions of power and whatever you want, but eventually they all come crumbling down. When you get to heaven, ask Nebuchadnezzar that question. He built the biggest kingdom and ended up eating grass for seven long years. Earthly treasure, treasure, man-made treasure will eventually give up on him. But the treasure that God gives never diminishes. It, the Bible says this, of his fullness have we all received grace upon grace. John 1.16. Of his fullness have we all received. How full is God? Does God ever run out? No. And so this fullness we have received. So this treasure never Diminishes. Apostle Paul writing to the Philippians in Philippians 1 and verse 9 says this, I pray that your love may abound more and more. He didn't say let your love abound for the month of January and then you can take a rest. No, let your love abound more and more. That's the capacity of God's love. It can, is explosive. It can go, it's like a wildfire, it just catches on. And when you love someone, that someone will love somebody else. And it goes on, blessing so many. Paul said in Ephesians 3 and verse 8, he said, that I may preach to you the unsearchable riches of Christ. What does unsearchable mean? Searchable? Unsearchable. The more you dig, the richer it becomes. The more you dig, the richer he becomes. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Ephesians 5.16, Paul said to the church there, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled to overflowing with the Spirit. That's the kind of life you're meant to live. Not a half full life, but an overflowing life. And Ephesians 3.19, he went on to say this, that, you know, that I may comprehend the love of Christ, the height, the width, the length, and the breadth, and to know the love of Christ, that I may be filled with the fullness of God. So this treasure never diminishes. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, forever. And forever is forever. And that forever has this meaning as well for every situation. Whether you're doing it good, whether you're doing it bad, he's the same God. He's there. He's got a purpose. And he's working it out in your life. This treasure never departs. Never diminishes, never departs. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. The comforter abides with you forever. John 14 and verse 16. Never diminishes, never departs. So when you're doing it tough, when you're going through a crisis, guess what? Who's with you? The Lord Jesus Christ is with you says, I will never leave you or depart from you. This treasure needs distribution. Let me ask you to turn to this place, Matthew chapter, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 6. We are almost there, so hang tight. Luke six forty five. This is what it says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And then he goes on to talk about the evil 
person with the evil treasure. So a good man will bring out the treasure that is within him and he will share it. What is the treasure? The treasure is Jesus Christ. Have you shared Jesus Christ with someone? Have you shared the gospel message with someone? Do you know someone who is in darkness? You can say, hey, I was once there. I didn't know where I was going. My life was filled with darkness. But I know who can give you some light. And I, I know who, someone who can give you the knowledge, the, the knowledge that will edify and bring you to Christ. And I know someone who never leaves you or forsakes you, who's there all the time. You can just turn up and he's there all the time. Jesus said in John chapter 7 and verse 38, He that is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He's talking about the living water. He said, if you drink this water, you will never thirst again. And then he went on to say, for out of his innermost being, out of his belly will flow what? Rivers of living water. Not just water, but living water. Where does that living water come from? From what God gave you. So as you drink of him, you're meant to give it out. Many, many, many Christians have got stagnant pools in the middle of their hearts. The water's never ever flown out. They're happy for it to be polluted inside there, never to be shared with a world that needs it desperately. This water has the capacity to refresh, to give life. How many can you refresh? Because you have this treasure within you. It's an awesome principle that God has given you this treasure. Not to keep it locked up, but to share it, to distribute it. That this can provide refreshment, it can provide healing. You know, how many times uh, you, know, you could be giving words of comfort to somebody. You know, comfort that comes based on scripture. And that soul that was struggling in that moment would say to you, wow, I just needed that. How many, I think it's happened to many of you, right? You've rung somebody and shared a verse and they said, I needed that. Thank you for that. And that's what God does. That this living water is a flowing water. It doesn't stop. There, you know, it doesn't stop for a season. It's continuously flowing out of your life. And this treasure is also a natural delight. The psalm, psalmist said this, delight thyself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the treasure that is within you. Uh, you, you know, it's sad. Some people consider the things of God as a burden. It's not a burden, it's a delight. It's a delight to worship God. It's a delight to know that this weak vessel of yours is filled with the power of God, the treasure of God, and that you're, you're sitting on some dynamite, you know, inside you, and uh, you know, it can just explode. You know, God changed the world with 12 disciples. How many of you in this room? 100? What can you do with 100? Is it the same God who is present in you that was present in those disciples? Or is it a different God? Same God, same spirit, same word of God. So what's changed? Why aren't we excited about taking the message out there, sharing this wonderful treasure that is within us with others? Delight yourself. The psalmist said, I delight myself in thy commandments. In the multitude of my thoughts, thy comforts delight my soul. Revelation 3.20, Jesus said this. He said, you know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will sup with him. I'll have dinner with him. I'll have a meal with him. 
You know, times of fellowship meals are a time of delight. You don't invite enemies to your table. How many of you invited enemies to your table and had a nice old conversation? You invite friends, right? When did you last invite Jesus in? Say, Lord, I need to have a meal. I need to delight in you. I need to see your face because in your face I see the glory of God. In your face all my troubles dissipate and I'm able to do the will of God because you are inside of me. Verse 7, the apostle says this, but we have this treasure. So we've talked about this treasure, the life, the knowledge, grace of Jesus, the love of God, the power of God, the Holy Spirit, the word of God, all of the above. We've got this in our hands. He says, but we've got this treasure in what? In gold-plated vessels. Correct? What does it say? Earthen vessels. What's the first thing that happens to an earthen vessel? So the earthen vessel is sitting up on this and I knock it. What happens? It breaks. Earthen vessels were considered the very basic vessels that were used in a house. So God hasn't gone and looked for the polished brass and the shining gold to stick his treasure into. He said, no, no, all of you are earthen vessels. I see you. Your base. But I need to put my treasure inside of you. Because you know what? Earthen vessels are prone to failure and weakness. And God knew that. God knew that. God knows all of us fail from time to time. God knows all of us take some detours from time to time. But you know, earthen vessels can also be put back together. Like the potter who takes that clay and he makes a vessel and it's not the right and he smashes it and he says, let me start again. Aren't you glad that God thought all that through and he said, I'm going to make you earthen vessels because I can remake you. No matter where you are, I'm going to remake you. You know, the last 10 years hasn't been good for me. Uh, in fact, if I do a measurement, I think I've gone backwards in my Christian life. Welcome to the club. God's saying, no, I can remake you. I don't want this treasure inside you to be wasted. I want you to use this treasure for God's glory. You know, put aside all contention, put aside everything else. This is business between you and God. In the end, you give account not to man, but you give account to God at the judgment seat of Christ. And I, I don't know whether you could bring excuses and said, you know, brother so-and-so offended me, so I'm not going to do this, or the church didn't do this at this time. You, you, know, you know, people are having a go at over this fire thing on Scott Morrison. I, I, anyway, look, I'm not going there, but it's between you and God. It's personal. Your earthen vessel and God's treasure. That's what it is. And he says that God has put this treasure inside these earthen vessels. So what must I do? I must use its power. The power of this treasure. I must use the power of Christ that is within me the gospel that is within me, the good news that is within me. Look, if, if you discovered the cure for cancer, are you going to keep that discovery to yourself and lock it up in a nice cabinet and say, how clever am I? And lock it up. What would you as a human being do? Of course, you'd want some royalties for the fact that you are clever enough to find the, uh, find the cure, but what you will do is you will spread it out. You will take it to the whole world and say, look, I found the cure. I found the cure for cancer. 
you take two doses of this, your cancer cells will all shrivel up. So that many can be blessed. When penicillin was in, uh, invented, that was the greatest discovery of that time. That is antiseptic, that it could uh, contain infection. And God's saying, I've, I've, I've given you this wonderful treasure. I put it within your urban vessel. I wasn't picky. I, I said, I'm going to give it to you. It's free of charge. When did you get a treasure which was free of charge? And God gave it. And he said, no, I want you to use it. I'm going to give you 10 more years, 2020 to 2030. And I want you to use this to your best capacity. I'm going to be with you all the way. I'm not going to leave you. The treasure is not going to diminish. You'll have great delight in it as you enjoy fellowship with me through that process. It's not going to get corrupted. Or will you share it? So I need to share. I must use its power. I want to read another verse from uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Almost done. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Here's a verse for you to grab a hold of. Now unto him that is God, that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I don't know whether you noticed, able to do exceeding, abundant, above. A triple emphasis. Exceeding is how much? Little or much? What's the name? Abundantly. Is abundant little or much? So you're saying much, much more, and then above, much more again. He's, above, he's able to do exceeding. You know, God can do some amazing things if people claim that verse, that promise by faith and stepped out for God, the exceedingly above, above will become real in your life. You, you, these waters will gush out of your life. Watch out, you may create a flood. God will keep pouring the water in, don't worry. Fulfill his commandment. Share his love. Share the good news. Remove the darkness. Help to remove the darkness. You know, everywhere you take yourself this year, you'll be taking light with you. If you're going into a place of darkness, let that light shine for God's glory. I must use his power. I must pursue God's potential. What potential has God got for me? Am I content to just be where I am? But or am I going to say, God, I need you to take me to the next level. The apostle Paul said, I press on to the high calling of God. I haven't attained the thing that you call me to. I'm going to be pressing on. I'm going to reach for that high calling for God. Is it that kind of a reaching that wants to reach for more because God wants to do that through you? I must use its power. I must shine. You know, when the treasure is in your heart and you're delighting in it, there'll be personal purity you want to be pure for God's sake. You won't contaminate your life with stuff that you may or may not be taking. You say, for God's glory, I'm going to keep myself pure. I'm going to let that light shine out of me. When we were kids, we used to sing that song. I'm going to let that light shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. 
know when your kids you used to sing it with gusto if you ask some adults to sing it today the words will hardly come out of your mouth because it's not true but would you let the treasure of god's wonderful grace that's within your heart cleanse you and make you pure so that your life will shine brightly in this dark world do we appreciate what we have we are rich beyond measure have we passed this great treasure and look for selfish unfulfilling unfulfilling alternatives have our lives been prayerless and powerless do we long to sup with him to enjoy his face to see the glory of jesus so that his life can change our hearts in this new decade will you ask god will i ask god to power you for his potential in closing i'm going to read to you a uh, starting couple of paragraphs from uh, a book called fearless living written by dr michael yusuf which i purchased from brother jewel at a 20% discount unfortunately you won't get the 20% discount now they've gone up 20% now right they haven't that's the evil side of me coming on so let me read this to you because i will spoil it if i try to say it any other way british inventor joseph sawn began the commercial production of electric light bulbs in 1881 around that time the first electric car company in great britain began illuminating the holborn district of central london including the general post office and the city temple church queen victoria however steadfastly refused to permit the electrification of windsor castle except in a few public rooms that she rarely visited except on state occasions by the time of her death in 1901 most of england was illuminated by electricity but not windsor castle Journalist Fiona Ross records that Queen Victoria was naturally frugal, a hoarder, and a creature of habit. Victoria only ever used wax candles to light her rooms. Queen Victoria was one of the wealthiest and most powerful rulers in history, reigning over a British empire that encircled the globe, from the British Isles to India to Australia to Canada. she could have made windsor castle shine through the night with an electric gleam but for 20 years she chose to spend her nights in a smoky candlelit twilight because she was too frugal to spend a few pennies a month for electricity the power was available but the queen refused to plug it in I read that and I thought my what a picture of so many lives today the power available but we prefer to light smoky candles we don't want stuff in our lives to be exposed too much by his light we don't want to read about him because that knowledge will make us responsible to do something else and we live in that atmosphere stunted not growing for god and if only we plug in to that treasure which never leaves us by the way all the time you are doing that guess what he hasn't left you he's there and he's saying to us these next 10 years would you would you dare would you dare plug in and see what i will do would you do that for jesus He died for you to make your life a powerful witness a stream of living water to refresh you why are you stopping it the title of my message is actually unused treasure when you come to stand before god on that day and 
God says to you, no matter what you will do with all, all that I gave you. And you say, oh Lord, I have, it's too weak to plug it in. <laughs> or you say, God, thank you, like you used to. Oh Lord, I don't know how many people were blessed because your power flowed through me. It's not me, God, it's you. Your treasure. I was merely the conduit to make this possible. Once God would help me, I put my life as clean as I could. Thank you for revealing those areas in my life that needed fixing up. Thank you for your light. Oh, I was such a disaster if your light hadn't come in and revealed the evil that was within. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. You energize me. Made me do exceedingly, abundantly above. I thought here, Lord, but you said, no, let's do this. You touched it in my life. I pray that the next 10 years would be an exciting journey for me. Where you were experiencing the power We have this treasure in earthen vessels. It will not be said that I didn't use that treasure. Thank God for that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word that is absolutely clear in what you've given us, the grace that you've provided. Help us, Lord, to just reflect on these and, Lord, to perhaps plug into your power and allow you to do what you have promised to do. And so many will be blessed as a result. In Jesus' precious name.